Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It is Wednesday, April 7th, and I'm Blair Kirkham. We'd like to think the Chiefs' brain trust is working feverishly behind the scenes to come up with a solution for left tackle. Actually, we do think that. General Manager Brett Beach always seems to have a plan. Still, we talk about the greatest position of need today on Sportsbeat KC with beat writers Herbie T.O.B. and Sam McDowell. We cover several other topics as well, including the comings and goings through free agency. Also, there have been some coaching staff changes that we discuss. Herbie's got another mock draft coming up and gives us a sneak peek at the Chiefs' first pick. And what's the significance of the uniform number rules change proposed by the Chiefs? All of that on today's show, so let's get started with Herbie T.O.B. and Sam McDowell. So let's start with Sam and Herbie. Good to talk to you guys. Um, we haven't chatted since Herbie's first mock draft dropped in the Star on, on Sunday. And Herbie, if I, am, I, am I right? You're going to have uh, two or three more before the draft. That is correct, Larry. Okay. One, two, three. I'm looking, I'm looking at my calendar now with the, the big Fridays all circled in red, M2, M3, M4, leading up to the real deal. Good deal. Um, and, of course, the idea is to change it up, right? I, I doubt we'll have the same names in the same positions. Uh, you, you, you provide possibilities there. But in your first one, look, I, I think you're on the right track with, with their first-round pick. Uh, you have Alex Leatherwood uh, from Alabama offensive tackle and gosh that's all we talk about with the Chiefs these days is what's going to happen at at left tackle so what um, what prompted you to go with Alex Leatherwood in that position the guy is a beast okay <laughs> and if we know anything about the Chiefs from last year's draft they know the SEC they love the SEC or, or players from the south I mean think about how many players they drafted out of Louisiana Edwards Blair uh, Legereus Sneed even Bo P.T.'s coming out of out of uh, the South, but they scout the SEC well. I think Leatherwood, because he was an, he's the Outland Trophy winner, you know, the, the nation's best offensive lineman, and he fits that need. He's nasty, he's strong, he gives them a little bit of flexibility too because he can also play guard, but they need a tackle. Here we are three weeks from the draft, and we haven't seen the tackle signing that we thought would happen. They, they were in the States for Trent Williams, so clearly they, they wanted Trent Williams. Uh, until losing out in the final minute to the 49ers. But tackle has to be on the radar. And if it's not through free agency, it's got to come through the draft. He he wouldn't be considered uh, one of the top, you know, two or three tackles, would he? I mean, obviously with the Chiefs picking at 31, and this is who you got. And other teams uh, needing left tackles, like the like the L.A. Chargers, for one, Leatherwood would be in that second, at least that second level of players at that position, wouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're thinking of the highly touted prospects, you're thinking of Rashawn Slater, Christian Derisaw, Kevin Jenkins. Those three are probably long gone before the Chiefs are on the clock. But if Leatherwood is there, because he, let's face it, you know, sometimes in the draft, you never know what's going to happen. The team can trade back in and jump ahead of the, of the Chiefs like you saw Ray the, the drink. <laughs> yeah. Like you saw the Saints do last year with Cesar Ruiz. And after the draft, you know, there were reports that the, the Chiefs were actually eyeing Cesar Ruiz. So, you know, that this that kind of stuff can happen. So you can't – if you see an offensive tackle that you want, you got to get him when he's there, and I think Leatherwood makes sense. You know, Blair, it's, it's, it's a really good year to need a tackle, though, in the draft is because it, it's a deep draft class for tackles. Um, you know, some of the guys that follow this, 
year round annually with, with draft prospects say it's one of the deepest they've had in, in perhaps a decade for, for tackles. So Herbie mentioned, you know, three guys and obviously, I, you know, he, he just slipped with, with the Oregon kid Sewell is also going to be gone. I mean, unless the chiefs move up, they're probably not getting, you know, Sewell, Slater, Darsaw, or um, Jenkins could, from Oklahoma State could also possibly be gone. Um, but there's still some good prospects there. You know, Herbie mentioned Leatherwood. There's there's some people that I think uh, wonder about his ability to play on the edge. Uh, you know, he, he gave up quite a few pressures last year. Um, there's a North Dakota State kid that I think a lot of people think has all the tools, but he's only played against FCS. And the, the Chiefs are in an interesting spot because there are two or three prospects that are getting graded highly as as far as their ceiling. They might need a year or two to develop, and the Chiefs aren't in that spot. They need somebody to protect for Patrick Mahomes now. So I think perhaps that narrows the range a little bit about the guys that they might be targeting. And if you want to battle test the guys, I mean, let's just face it. Let's just call the SEC the farm league to the NFL, especially Alabama. Those guys are battle-tested, two national championship teams that Leatherwood was a part of. And so if you want the winning caliber, if you want a beast, that's why Leatherwood to me makes sense. And how can you not love a name like Leatherwood? (laughs) There's there's one other guy that I think would make a lot of sense, and it's the USC kid, um, uh, Vera Tucker, that moved from guard, in 2019 to tackle in 2020 and had a really good year at tackle. And I, I realized that he's only played that position for one year, but the numbers and, and everything work out for him and the versatility works out for him in case maybe they, they do sign somebody in a future year. He can play multiple spots. Um, so that's the name I'm wondering if he might be available at, at 31, if, if the Chiefs might target him. If we're going to change it up, I'll tell you who my, my first round pick for this Friday is. Liam Eckenberg. He's also another good guy, consistent starter at left tackle. You know, of course, he's, he might have some room to grow as well, but he's a guy that was a finalist for the Outland Trophy winner. If my math is correct, 26 plus 12 is 38 consecutive starts at left tackle for this guy. So he, he knows the position as well. well. Let me let me throw this out there. If we're, if we're talking about someone who is not in the top three or four at his position and the Chiefs make that person the their first round pick and at number 31 overall, are we expecting that guy to come in and start and play, you know, in a position as important as, well, is it important enough for us to spend a lot of time discussing it right out of college? I mean, that's, that seems to be asking quite a lot, especially, you know, this isn't, you know, we're not talking about Eric Fisher, who was, you know, one, one and started over at right tackle and needed a year to get used to the NFL. We're, we're talking perhaps drafting a guy who's, who's not at the highest level of his position and then you know, suggesting that he might start at a position that's incredibly important to the Chiefs right now. I, I, you know, that's a very fair question, but you know, I think it goes back to what are the Chiefs doing right now? Short of them signing a veteran before the draft, if you're going into the draft without addressing the tackle, especially the left tackle position without a free agent, and you're using the, the first round pick on a guy, I, I think you are going to have to expect him to start. You know, there's a couple of intriguing free agent names still out there that you can still sign to a one-year deal. You've got Russell Okun, you've got Alejandro Velenueva. You know, maybe sign them to a one-year deal, but you know, there's no movement on that front. There's still some time, you know, there's still three weeks before the draft, but, you know, all signs right now are pointing to the draft. Yeah, and Blair, I mean, Herbie and I talked about this, but they're in a spot right now where the, those only guys that, that Herbie mentioned are 
um, veteran guys. So even if the Chiefs go get one of those guys, it's likely going to be a one-year deal. And we still think this is going to be the biggest need in the first round for this team, even if they do sign somebody between now and the draft. Mm. Yeah, good point. Because, you know, if, it, if it's a one-year deal, you're right back in the same boat next year. So you might as well go ahead and get the guy now for the future. The only wrinkle in that is if they believe that they've got that future guy in Lucas Niang. And, you know, they sign a veteran, they like Lucas Niang there, but that's a guy who has not played a, a snap of football in a year and a half because he opted out the 2020 season because of COVID and he's never played an NFL snap. So, um, but, you know, you go through the depth chart right now and I think it, it's Lucas Niang over there. Uh, you know, they'd have to move Mike Rimmers over there or it's Martinez Rankin. And I, I mean, you've got to get somebody there. None of those three guys, I, I think, instill a lot of confidence to be the starting left tackle, given the combination of experience and playing out of position there. Yeah, look, I've got on, on, on my depth chart, I've, I've, I've got four offensive line positions accounted for. And then the, the big opening is at left tackle, right? I mean, yeah. Tooney at left guard, Austin Blythe at center, either uh, Kyle Long or LDT at right guard, then Remmers, Niang, Rankin, whoever you want to put at right tackle. I think they're okay elsewhere. It's just, man, what a what a big question mark for the Chiefs at left tackle right now. Hey, Herbie, let me let me bring up another possibility. I believe the Chiefs have eight uh, selections right now going into the draft. Yes, eight. Would would this not be a year where you know college football was was such a state of chaos a year ago with you know, the the power conferences playing? They didn't play their entire schedule, and there were so many opt outs among college players, uh, the, the lower levels, FCS, uh, Division Two didn't get to play. FCS is playing now, you know, in, in, in the spring. You know, sometimes you, you use your later round picks on, on players like that. And I'm just wondering if this isn't an occasion where the Chiefs could package some of those late round picks simply to move up some spots in the first round and identify a, a left tackle that, you know, they really want to get. And is that is is there not enough there for the Chiefs to you know to do that? Maybe they a couple of late round draft selections and a player to to move up. I don't know ten spots for a pick. It, well, they did it back in twenty seventeen to get Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, it, it's really going to depend on if you can find the trade partner. You know, and, and that's the key thing here. Do they have the ammunition to move around in the draft? Absolutely. You know, and, and you saw it already happen a couple of weeks ago with the Forty Niners the leapfrogging everyone to get the third overall pick. A lot of things are at play, but the key thing here is, can you find the right partner who wants to move back? That's the fascinating thing about the draft, not necessarily the weeks leading up to it or the days leading up to it. It's always the day of where you start seeing all these movements. Uh, last year, my goodness, how many trades were there last year? I, I lost track because there were so many. So you can see it happen again this year. You know, to your point, is it challenging? Absolutely, it's challenging. You don't have the combine. And, the, you know, the combine was huge for teams because of medical evaluations. That's the main reason for the combine is not to see how fast someone can run a 40. That's, that's all media-driven. Teams want the combine because they need that, those essential uh, medical evaluations. You know, they're all under one roof. And then the formal interview process, all that stuff is gone. You know, they went through it last year, even though they did have the combine. But, you know, it's the other stuff that they're missing. So th this is going to be a challenging draft a pre-draft process for them. Uh, I remember Brett Zeech addressed that on March the 1st, you know, this first press conference that, that would have been um, at the Combine. He did it with us virtually uh, after the Combine would have been held. But he even admitted, yeah, this is going to be challenging, but they're not the only team that's facing this. 
the possibility there for me, Blair, is uh, there's going to be a run on quarterbacks because it's such a deep quarterback class and, and top end deep quarterback class that um, I think some of these left tackles are going to get pushed down. And, you know, you might see the Oregon kid somehow go down to eight or nine. Um, you know, how far does that push down the Northwestern kid and then the Virginia Tech kid and then the USC kid? And if it gets to around that 20 number and one of those four are still available, then I do think it's possible you see a move. Now, you mentioned the Chargers at 13. I think there's a, there's a couple teams in the top 10 that make a lot of sense for left tackle. The Chargers, I don't see any way they go anywhere but left tackle at 13. So I think there's two or three of those guys that are already going to be gone there. But I don't see the Chiefs moving that far up because we know what that would cost, which would be an, an additional first-round pick next year. Um, but could they move up five, six, seven spots? Yeah, I think that would be a possibility. And, of course, that was – you know, Brett Veach talked about that last year, that they were in a position to move up if they felt they needed to um, and, and, and didn't – and as it turns out, they, they didn't need to. It's also a deep first round for wide receivers as well, right, with the Alabama players and then uh, a chase from LSU. Yeah. Um, so that's a good point, Sam. And Herbie, I also wanted to – you brought up a good point about the, uh, no combine this year, and we're seeing some 40 times from pro days that are getting uh, <laughs> getting questioned, uh, to say the least. And it's funny you mentioned that because, remember, Veach actually touched on that. He didn't mention the schools, but it's like there's some schools where a guy who, who you think is going to run a 4-4 is all of a sudden running a 4.29. <laughs> and you got to question the, the, the track and everything. It's Yeah, you're right. These 40 times. But again, it goes back to that's why we get all hyped up over drills. The media, the fans, they love the drills, but that's not what the combine is about. The combine is about medicals. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, there's some uh, a couple of additions to the Chiefs roster that we need to talk about. So we'll be right back. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We're back with Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell, who covered the Chiefs. Uh, I don't think we have spoken since the signing of Michael Burton, fullback. <laughs> not a sexy position. You know, when it comes to offensive numbers, he will not accumulate a lot, given the history of, of the Chiefs' use of the fullback. But it is an important acquisition, Herbie. Tell us why. It's because of the scheme, the West Coast offense. When you think of offenses that still utilize a traditional fullback, you got to look around the league, and the majority of them are West Coast offenses. Andy Reid has always used a fullback. Going back to his time in Philadelphia, he learned under Mike Holmgren in Green Bay. Holmgren, of course, learned under Bill Walsh. And every, every successful West Coast offense has a traditional fullback. He's not going to light up the scoreboard. People are like, why do you sign a fullback? You know, he's not going to get any carries. But that's not what the fullback is for in this scheme. 
you go back and look at some of the punishing blocks. Uh, let's think about Damian Williams's game ceiling touchdown in the Super Bowl. That run happens because Anthony Sherman sealed off the edge there. A fullback did that. You know, just they needed a lead blocker, a guy for short yardage situations, and every now and then maybe a trick play. Listen, and and for the Chiefs, um, as we know, with Anthony Sherman, who who retired after last season, we're going to see Michael Burton on a lot of special teams, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. He even said it point blank. I'm a four-phase guy. So, yeah, he'll, he'll see a lot of time on, on special teams. But the beauty is he's done that throughout his career anyway. Okay. And, of course, the Chiefs uh, bid farewell to a few uh, familiar names. The, the most recent, I guess, Damian Wilson, the linebacker, signing with the Jaguars. Uh, most notably, Sammy Watkins with the Ravens. And where did, where did Tano Passigno end up? <laughs> Drink. <laughs> Yeah, with the with the Saints. So of those three, who's going to be missed the most from last year? I'm, I, you know, they didn't get a lot of production out of any of those three guys, other than obviously the the play in the Super Bowl stands out with Wilson, uh, the goal line stand. Um, but that was a position I think they felt like they needed to get better at. Of course, we could talk a lot about left tackle. It's over to shadow the fact that they still haven't addressed the linebacker position yet. I mean, not only do we think they need to address that position, Brett Veach said before free agency that was a, a spot they needed to get better. Um, so that explains his departure. Uh, you know, Sammy, Sammy Watkins, I, I think, is a guy they're going to miss, you know, because they missed him last year when he wasn't on the field. But they got such little on-field on productivity from him over the past, you know, about 18 months because he was constantly injured that they had to move on from him. There was no choice but to, to try and find something else there. And, Blair, you mentioned the wide receiver draft class. It really surprised me if we get to about round five and they still haven't found a wide receiver yet. I, I agree with Sam there because, I mean, going back to Brett Veach's pre-free agency presser, he complimented the depth of the wide receiver position. And, and Sam wrote a good piece recapping everything that Brett Veach talked about and wide receiver was up there. Well, and not so coincidentally, Herbie, in your mock draft that was in Sunday's paper, each of the players that I just mentioned, you know, uh, Wilson, Watkins, and uh, Passigno, you know, a linebacker, wide receiver, and a rush in, those were also your next three positions uh, taken in the in the Chiefs mock draft with Nick Bolton, Missouri's Nick Bolton. You got him as the second round uh, selection, uh, Tylen Wallace, the Oklahoma State wide receiver in the third round, and then the uh, the Notre Dame pass rusher, whose name I can't pronounce. In the- <laughs> I just know how to spell it <laughs> in the in the fourth round. Also, I, I thought it was interesting too. In the fifth round, you had the Chiefs taking a tight end. It's not a great class for for tight ends, but I think there's a need there for tight end. They they addressed it with Blake Bell uh, last week, but I still think that the Chiefs are going to be on the prowl for another tight end. Yeah, the tight end position is kind of it's one of those head scratchers when you look at it because it's always a one year deal. Bell's back on the one year deal. Nick Kaiser, an exclusive rights free agent. You know, Kelsey, no, no doubt about it, is the alpha dog. He is the guy. But they need a complimentary piece there, and, it, and it's got to be someone with staying power. Okay, let, hey, let's go over a couple of these, uh, these coaching moves. Uh, there, there's always movement on the staff after a season. Rare is the season where you don't get that. So uh, just a couple. Uh, Greg Lewis goes from wide receivers to running backs. And that's because uh, the running backs coach went to co- went back to college, right? Dylan McCullough went to, to yeah. took a job. Yeah. It, yes, and then uh, Ken, help me with the pronunciation of, the la- of Ken Flajol. Looks like Flajol. Okay, uh, to he's the new outside linebackers coach. 
taking Britt Reed's spot, and then uh, and then Joe Blameyer, whose name we heard Andy Reed mentioned quite often last season. He was in the Mike Kafka role this year, you know, the old Mike Kafka role, passing game coordinator, passing game analyst, whatever you want to call him. He's going to be the wide receivers coach. So do any of those stick out to you as uh, not, not eyebrow raising, but just kind of a little bit unusual? I think Sam and I immediately after that press release hit the wire, Sam and I would immediately call each other and run. Greg Lewis <laughs> as the wide receivers coach. I, this is his first time doing it. Uh, this is going to be fascinating to see. Right. Well, he spent his entire career as a wide receiver, and now he's in the now he's coaching the running backs. Yep. Uh, what? What? Is it just that easy? I mean, I, we'll have to ask Andy Reid that at some point. I have to ask Greg Lewis that. Is it just that easy to change positions after you spent your entire professional career as a player, as a college player, uh, NFL player, and a coach? At one position, then switch to another. I, I think it's it's unique for the Chiefs, but it's not unique from an NFL point of view because there are some coaches out there who have never played the position before and are coaching or or even as coordinators. I mean, I, I hate to do this. <laughs> Pete, Pete Carmichael in, in New Orleans, the offensive coordinator, was a baseball player in college, and now he's running the offense. You know, with the course or I should say he's assisting Sean Payton call the offense, but he's, he never played football, which is, you know, it's, it's unique. Okay. Well, as we continue on sports beat NO, let's, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's twitch gears. Look, the, the chiefs are, uh, are the catalyst behind one of the, the rules change proposal that's getting the most traction, at least when it comes to the players. And that's relaxing the, the uniform number code basically allowing skill position players to wear single digits on their jerseys. That's not allowed now. Only, what is it, quarterbacks, kickers, punters can wear 1 through 19, and, and then there's, there's the strata as we continue upward. Why has this become so popular? Is it, you know, Pete uh, Gradhoff had a, had a blog post about this the other day and quoted, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Tyreek Hill, not quoted, but posted their tweets about it. Players seem to be excited about this. I suspect the NFL is excited because it would mean probably more jersey sales for them. But is there anything to this? To What's the significance of this, I guess, is the question. Well, I think they want to allow more numbers because, you know, we're, we're getting to a stage where there's certain numbers that, you know, uh, 88 here in Kansas City with Tony Gonzalez, that they would like to see players not wear immediately after a guy goes. But there's only so many numbers available wide receiver and tight end so i think they just would like to expand that list to sort of honor the 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 hall of famers within an organization the players love it because blair as as you've covered for for three decades now that this is what the players are wearing in college (laughs) they would love to carry their call everybody's got to change their number from college to the pros they would love to be able to wear their their number that they've been wearing their whole lives and the background behind that too is because brett Veach was saying that they were running out of numbers because of all the the moves they had to make in, in a COVID environment. So that's why they wanted to, to go ahead and oppose this change to have more numbers available. Yeah, especially last year with how many guys we had on the practice squad. I mean, the practice squads were basically doubled. And the new CBA actually does gradually increase that practice squad number as well. Now, that wasn't mentioned as part of the reason for their proposal, but the, but that's a good point. I mean, they're, they're going to have more, more guys who are in need of jersey numbers. I say add triple digits. You know, let's go uh, – let's. <laughs> Let's go with three numerals on the on the jersey. Before we go off, mention Joe Blameyer. 
Remember all the times last year we requested him and we didn't get him because he was <laughs> officially an assistant coach. We got him this year, baby. We got him. <laughs> well, that's right. That, as it was with uh, Mike Kafka, the previous. You, you know what I remember? It's funny with Kafka. You'd go to practice and um, after practice, you know, you'd, you'd go out and Andy Reid would do his outdoor press conference and players would be leaving. And of course, this was on Friday, right? You do it outside. And the last two people on the field were Mike Kafka and Patrick Mahomes, his rookie year, working on footwork. They were always the last people to leave. So that's, I mean, that's how much Kafka worked with Mahomes. And I suspect, uh, you know, Blay Meyer did the same thing when we didn't get to see practices in 2020. And But that'll be that'll be the uh, the role for him. Who takes over that role now that Blay Meyer is the wide receivers coach? Who, who comes in as the passing game analyst, coordinator, et cetera? Oh, you would hit me up on that. Hold up. Let me pull this up. <laughs> David Girardi. Okay. He was an offensive quality control coach last year, so he, he steps in um, Blaymeyer's spot. Okay, so he'll, he'll be the one Andy Reid mentions frequently at press conferences that we'll never get to talk to. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell for stopping by and talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have a deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the Kansas City Star sports page online. You get all the stories that appear in the print product, plus many more additional stories that appear only on KansasCity.com. So this deal, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month after three months, unless you cancel. And it's a great time to subscribe. The Royals are off to a hot start. Our local colleges are always making news. And of course, it is never not cheap season. So how do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. Love that E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.com kansascity.com slash subscribe and if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers send me an email at bkirkoff at kcstar.com i'll get you to the right place so whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in kansas city and helping us produce programs like sports bkc thanks for listening and we'll be back on thursday with another episode 